0: So right now, I'm just going to lead us in a quick prayer, and I want you to pray as you were called upon for this church. Father, we love you today, and we're so thankful that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and that is the promise of Jesus Christ, because this is not my church, this is no one's church, even in this congregation. This is your church. You died for this church. This is just a place where we come and worship you. And Lord, you want the best for this place and the best for these people to give them a future and a hope. And so today, I pray, oh God, you will stay the hand of the enemy. And that, God, you will keep our hearts and minds in check. And that, Lord, the spirit of of, of unity and the bond of peace would be among us. I pray, O Lord, over every Sunday school teacher, Wednesday night teacher, over every singer, Lord, over every instrumentalist, over every leader, every council member, over every person, O Lord, in this room, that, God, you would lead us. The psalmist writes and says that you will guide us with your own eye and that you'll guide us with your hand, Lord. Do that in the name of Jesus. Go before us even this hour and begin to get us, Lord, Lord, ready for what you're wanting to do in this place. God, we give you this church. We give you this church, O oh Lord. And we just ask right now that you will send the right people to this place that you have in store, that this church marches forward, that we will turn around and say, yes, we've had great days, but Lord, our better days are laying ahead of us. We're expecting great things, needing your guidance and your leadership over your church. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And everyone said together, Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. And so, if you have your Bibles, take them and go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 26. One of the hardest things to do is is to minister to a church in a pastoral uh, change. Because everyone's sitting there with, with everything that's going on in the church on their mind, okay? So for the next few moments, I just want you to hear the word of the Lord. I don't want you to worry about what's going on, just hear the word of the Lord. Because the word of the Lord is able to bring peace to every situation. Do you believe that today? I'm going to talk to you for a few moments about the feet of Jesus. Before I get there, I want you to understand the context of feet in Scripture. To hear that someone sits at someone's feet means that they have humbled themselves, that they have taken a seat of humility... And that they are not lifting themselves up, but they are allowing someone else to be lifted up because now I'm sitting at someone's feet for them to speak into my life or for them to disciple me or for them to minister to me. Because, and even right now, if you'll look around, most of you are sitting at about feet level. That's why stages, in most places, the stage is lifted up and people sit down. It's because we're we're still in that place, even in architecture, of whoever's speaking is higher in the moment. Not necessarily by person, but by what they are speaking about. So in the church we believe, and that's why we have a stage, that the word of the Lord is to be lifted up. And that is why we read in Scripture that how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. You see all those things now? And so when we hear someone, even the Apostle Paul in Acts twenty two says that he was a Jew and that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, and, and and what this means is is that they sat down at his feet, and the person speaking would stand. And it's here that we're 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 saying you know every bit of dust that they've collected in their life, it is it is. Of great value to me and so I'm going to sit here at their feet where they have walked, where they have journeyed, where they have been and it has been important in their life and I'm going to allow them to speak to me about their journey and about what's going on. And so for the next few moments I want to talk to you about feet and about the feet of Christ. And so we, we come to Luke chapter 8 beginning at verse 26 and The context of this scripture is that Jesus has just spoken to the t- disciples and said, let us go over to the other side. And they get in the boat and they get on the Sea of Galilee and as they begin to journey across the sea, the Bible tells us that very quickly and basically immediately in Mark and in Matthew, that a great storm arose. And at this great storm, Jesus was found nonetheless in the, in the bottom of the boat asleep, and the disciples, you know this story, they're they're in this place of panic, what are we going to do? And these are seasoned fishermen who have been on the lake before, who have been through storms before, but this one was bigger and greater than anything they had seen. And they're at the point of thinking they're about to lose their life, and they're using terms like, does Jesus not care? Where is Christ in the middle of this? And so finally, they wake him up, he stands on the side of the boat, and he says, Peace be still, the winds and waves die down, and, and they continue on the journey. The problem was they forgot what he said, let us cross over to the other side which means no matter what storm comes our way, we're still going over to the other side. So all of that has just taken place, and they land on the other side. And so we begin in 26, Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. Verse 27, And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time, and he wore no clothes. Nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What do I, what have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion because we are many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of swine was feeding there on the mountain, so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and herd, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it the city and the country, verse 35. Then they went out to see what had happened. And came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also had seen it, told them by what they also who had seen it told them by what means he had also been demon possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region, the Gadarenes, asked Jesus to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear, and he got in the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your own house and tell the great things that God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city the great things that Jesus had done for him. So for the next few moments, I want us to focus in here on the feet of Jesus. And whatever's going on in your life, I want to tell you when he walks in, the answer walks in. And when he walks in, the situation changes. So I want us to invite the feet of Christ, the feet of Jesus, to walk into this place and change everything about it. Notice that when, when, when the Gadarenes realized that the man was no longer demon-possessed, The swine had drowned. What happens here, the Bible says, and then they were afraid. They had become so comfortable with this demoniac who was howling and who was cutting himself and who was bound in chains, who was living in the tombs and who was running around unclothed and naked throughout the place. They had become so comfortable with the evil that they did not know what to do with the Messiah when he walked in the room. And let me tell you something, church, that is what's happening in the 21st century. We are becoming so numb to what is going on in the world that the evil does not scare us and the evil does not bother us and we say terms like it's just the way it is but when Jesus shows up there is going to be something that will flip and we will all stand amazed but we cannot be afraid or ashamed or live in fear of what the answer of God is going to be and what we have to say is if he's good enough to do it for him there's got to be another one coming up that Jesus is wanting to deliver so let me help you understand we can never get so comfortable with the evil that we're never ready for the miraculous and that's a whole different sermon for another day so in verse 35 it says this and they found the man from whom the demons had departing sitting at the feet of Jesus hallelujah the man who had ran through the tombs howling like an animal the man who had walked naked through the cities the man who had been tormented who had been tormented him had lost his own humanity and was now more like an animal than a human this man who had been bound in broken shackles and broken chains This man who has been guarded day and night and they could not guard him, so he breaks the chains and runs him to the wilderness. This man who is so tormented that he finds himself living in no home and he finds himself living outside. Can you imagine what this man must have been going through who is demon-possessed, who for so long has been living like an animal and not like a human, who has been in a place of war and not a place of peace? What it must have been that day when Jesus walked into the scene. So I've come to tell you, first off, that the feet of Jesus is always a place of forgiveness. That the feet of Jesus is always a place of forgiveness and pardon. And more than anything, I think all of us in this church should be able to lift our hands and say, Thank you, Jesus that the cross is still big enough, that the tomb is still empty, that the blood is still good enough, and that when the feet of Jesus walks in, the chief of sinners is going to fall down and bow down and say that Jesus Christ is Lord. I've come to remind you today that Jesus is still Savior, that His blood still washes away every sin. I've come to tell you today that He loves you just like you are, but He didn't mean for you to stay that way. That's why He came and died on the cross, that we might be changed and live with Him forever. Behold, all things have passed away and behold, all things become new. I've come to remind the church today that more than anything else in this world, Jesus Christ is Savior, that Jesus Christ is Redeemer, that Jesus Christ is the Justifier. And if that does not turn something in your spirit, then you are not where you need to be with the Lord. Because if you ever forget what the cross has done in your life and what the cross has done for your children and what the cross is going to do for generations to come then we have forgotten who we are as a people. Let me remind you, we are the redeemed. We are the chosen. We are the church. We are the ecclesia. We are the called out ones. We are the blood bought. We are the army of the living God. And here's the good news. Hell's forces cannot hold us and the enemy cannot destroy us. For Jesus said that we are the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. I've come to tell you that his blood still pardons and it washes away every sin. It washes away every heartache I've come to tell you today that Jesus Christ is still the Savior so we see in Luke chapter 7 in Luke chapter 7 verses 37 and 38 it tells us of a woman in the city in Luke 7 37 and it says that she was a sinner And when she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisees, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. She stood at his feet behind him, weeping, did not even feel worthy enough to fall in front of his feet, but fell backwards behind him. What sin? She began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, Luke 37 and 38. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil while all of those were wondering what was going on and they could not believe this, listen to verses 47 and 48 of Luke chapter 7 therefore Jesus says therefore I say to you her sins which are many are forgiven for she has loved much but to whom little is forgiven the same loves little, then he said to her your sins are forgiven, I've come to tell someone in the house today that there is good news, if it's much sin in your life or if it's just a few sins in your life, it does not matter because the cross has paid the ransom and Jesus has come to pardon whatever it may be you may be a Christian who is still dealing with sin in your life that does not mean that you are not a Christian it means that you are still being the process of being sanctified but here's the good news he can take what you're dealing with and crush it and come to you and set you free that you will walk in peace and in holiness and in joy and in sanctification so that you can turn around and say I was washed in the blood and he saved me from my sin and though I was human and dealt with some others stuff here's the good news he never left me but he walked with me hand in hand until I was fully cleaned and fully pardoned and now I can turn around and say I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see hallelujah the feet of Jesus was a place of pardon a place of forgiveness for this lady who came to see him I've come to remind you that whosoever will shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Whosoever. I've come to remind you that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That Whosoever should believe should have everlasting life. Whosoever. I've come to remind you that Jesus was so often in the company of sinners that they tagged him and nicknamed him Jesus, the friend of sinners. What a great title. Jesus, the friend of sinners. Aren't you thankful today that Jesus is the friend of sinners and that he found you in your sins and that he has set you free? Never forget that moment because when the church forgets that our job is to lead those that do not know him to him, then we have ceased to be the church. So we have this one named Jesus, the friend of sinners. The feet of Jesus is not only a place of of, of forgiveness and pardon, but it's also a place of healing. The feet of Jesus is also a place of healing. For in Matthew's writings, Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 30, Matthew 15, 30, it says, Then great multitudes came to Him, having with them the lame, the blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and He healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maim made whole, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Hallelujah. I've come to remind the church today that not only is our Jesus a Savior, but our Jesus is still a healer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus and in 30 it says that the multitude brought in the lame the blind the maimed and 31 says and then they marveled when the lame were walking and the and the dumb were talking what does that mean it means that they really didn't know what to expect when they got to him they had brought him to him just in hopes but when he did it they stood back in amazement I've come to tell somebody that eye has not seen and ear has not heard and no mind can know what God has in store and when you take it to him whatever it may be when he is finished with it you will stand back in amazement and say i thought he could do it i believed he could do it but let me tell you he did it and when he did it it was more than i could have ever imagined i've come to know him as the god who heals me see not only do we believe that he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and that the chastisement of our peace was upon him but we still believe that by his stripes we are healed We believe that if the cross was big enough to to, to justify us in parlance of our sin and that sin is the effect of disease and heartache in the world, then the cross is big enough to not only take care of sin, but it's big enough to take care of the effects of sin, which is sickness, disease, and heartache. Do you believe that today? That is why we say that we plead the blood of Jesus over the sick and we plead the blood of Jesus over marriages. Why? Because not only does he heal bodies, but he's able to heal marriages and he's able to heal minds and he's able to heal children and he's able to heal the brokenness and he's able to heal the broken hearts and he's able to heal relationships and he's able to heal today because he is our healer. The psalmist tells us in the psalmist writings, In Psalm 107, verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I've heard Brother Wade quote that passage of Scripture more than any other passage of Scripture I've ever heard him quote. He sent his word and he healed them. John said that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So the psalmist here is speaking to us from years before Christ and said, and he sent his word and healed them to let us know that when when Jesus steps on the scene, the word of God that is coming, he is sending him to not only save, for Jesus said, I come to seek and save that which was lost, but he has come to save and to heal all of humanity. And he said not only heal them, but look what the psalmist here said in in chapter 107. He said that he came to heal and to deliver them from their destruction. He is a healer who not only heals us physically, but emotionally and mentally and our brokenness and our broken hearts. But he's also at his feet we will find not only healing, but at his feet we'll find deliverance. From where? From their destruction. Now, there ain't nobody going to amen me right here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Unless somebody wants to give me an amen ahead of time. Oh, I'm going to preach it then if you're going to give me an amen ahead of time. Notice what he says here. Deliverance from their destruction. That means the stuff you bring on yourself. That means the stuff I bring on myself. See, in the 21st century, it's always somebody else's fault. Have have y'all picked, if you realize that, it's always somebody else's fault. Just lift your hand. Now, if you have children, it's always somebody else's fault. The great thing about being an only child like I was is I had nobody to blame it on. And I remember saying to mama, oh, mama, it wasn't me. The devil made me do it. That's the wrong thing to say to a Pentecostal mama. She said, boy, my God, if he's living in you like that, we got to pray right now. And the next thing I knew, Wesson Oil was being slung all over the kitchen because she didn't have olive oil in her hand. Tongues were being talked. Eyeballs were being rolled in the back of her head. And I thought, I will never say the devil made me do it again. You think I'm kidding. Ask Gina. That's the kind of mama I had. There are times that you bring things on yourself, but at the feet of Jesus, he brings deliverance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah there are times that yes others do bring things on to you but you, that is when he is but when, he, but, but, but when you bring things on yourself when you make a bad decision or you make that one decision here's the good thing he is big enough to walk in with his feet and sit down with you where you are and say there is nothing too big that I cannot solve this thing so if your mouth got you here or your addiction got you here or your attitude got you here or however you got here here's the good news he is a friend of sin and he is the one who runs into the room and says I will deliver you from this moment of destruction hallelujah the feet of Jesus it's a place of healing it's a place of healing for we see that he heals relationships and minds and brokenness and broken hearts can you imagine the demoniac's mind in Luke 8 this has been tormented day and night for so long But Jesus walks onto the land. He literally, the Bible says, he got out of the boat and immediately, in all three writings, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three writings say that when Jesus' feet touched the shore, there the demoniac was standing and said, Jesus, thou son of God, let me tell you something. When Jesus walked, Walks in, hallelujah. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. When Jesus walks in, even the demons begin to tremble. When Jesus walks in, I've come to tell you that sickness walks out. And when Jesus walks in, depression has to walk out. And when Jesus walks in, oppression has to walk out. And when Jesus walks in, there's no more room for addiction and addiction has to walk out. I've come to tell someone today it is time to call upon Jesus. Because he's in this room and he's here today to heal the brokenhearted and set the captive free and destroy the destruction that's in your life and bring hope and peace and joy and glory to where you are in this place. Lift your hands, O you saints, and worship him. John 11 reminds us that not only is it a place of pardon and a place of forgiveness and not only is it a place of healing and a place of deliverance, but the feet of Jesus is a place of comfort. Speaking of comfort, I believe it's 117 degrees in here. Somebody pray for the wind of the Spirit to blow in this place. I'm dying. And you ain't shouting. That makes me have to preach longer. Amen. John eleven thirty two through 35 tells us it's a place of comfort. For it's here that Lazarus is dead. Mary and Martha are weeping. They're hurting. They're longing for their brother. In John, eleven thirty-two. In John eleven thirty-two. We we see that Mary in John eleven thirty-two comes to where Jesus is, and when she saw him, she fell down at his feet. Hallelujah. And you know what she did? She spoke her mind. That's okay. Jesus isn't afraid of what you say. He put that tongue in your mouth. Honey, you just don't want him to rip it out. Amen. So be careful, but he it, you don't bother him. She said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I decided if Mary was born today, she'd be born on Pickett Post Road. Because it seems like everybody in this community, they just say what they want to. Amen. You might as well laugh because you know it's true. But I'll tell you what I think about it. and Then we all just get along. But she said to Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. What? Does she know who she's talking to? Absolutely she does. But she had a relationship with him that she knew, I can talk to the Lord from the very depth and the very hurting places of me. But notice where she does this at, not up in his face, but she does this down at his feet. There's a difference in doing that to someone's face and doing that at their feet. Because what she's saying is, I'm hurting. And I know you've walked in here where we are. And I know who you are. But if you would have been here, he, he may not have died. She's not in his face. She's at his feet. She's humbled herself before him. And I've come to tell you, you can tell the Lord your heart. And you're not going to scare him. And it's not going to bother him. When you begin to cry out to him, because he says to to cry out to him, all his children. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And from his feet, she says, if you only would have been here. And it affected the Christ so much that even he himself began to weep. Her cry at his feet caused the master to begin to cry himself. The Bible says there that Jesus wept. Oh, but it wasn't over right there. It wasn't over just because he was standing there weeping. Because we skip down a few verses. We skip down a few verses and in verse 39 he says, take away the stone. Take away the stone. Jesus then says a simple prayer. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Notice Jesus opened up his prayer that way. Jesus hadn't prayed anything yet. He opens up his prayer. Father, thank you that you have heard me. What a way to open this thing up. That's a prayer of faith right there. When you walk into your prayer closet and say, I ain't going to say anything yet. I'm just going to let the Lord know, thank you that you have heard me, because here's what I know. His ears already open to the righteous cry. Thank you that you have heard me, and I know you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Next verse, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Hallelujah. At the feet of Jesus, Mary falls down and said, if you'd been here, he would not have died. At the feet of Jesus, it brings him to a place of weeping. At the feet of Jesus, she finds comfort in his presence. And at the feet of Jesus, guess who else found comfort? Because one woman found comfort. It was Lazarus. He was no longer dead, but now he is living. I've come to tell someone something today. At the feet of Jesus, there is comfort forevermore. I've come to remind you, Jesus said, yes, I am going away. But I am going to pray to the Father, and he is going to send another comforter, one who is just like me, who will abide with you forever. So I've come to tell you today, if you're in an uncomfortable situation or in an uncomfortable circumstance, when the feet of Jesus walk into that courtroom, or the feet of Jesus walk into that living room, or the feet of Jesus walk onto your job, or the feet of Jesus walk into that schoolhouse, or the feet of Jesus walk into that relationship, there will be comfort and joy and peace and mercy and grace why because he is the giver of those things and when he walks in they walk in with him the feet of Jesus and I'm almost finished the feet of Jesus according to what we see in Revelation chapter 1 the feet of Jesus is a place of worship John says it this way in Revelation chapter 1 beginning at verse 11 verse 10 I was in the spirit of the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice, a loud voice as a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. Verse 12, then I turned to see the voice. That has to be a strong voice. When you don't turn to see the person, you turn to see the voice. Then I turned to see the voice that had spoken with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, hallelujah, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about his chest with a golden band. His head and hair were like, were white like wool, as white as snow, his eyes like a flame of fire, his feet were like fine breasts, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. John the Revelator, 90 plus years old. John the Revelator, 90 plus years old. Boiled in oil for his testimony of Christ. Taken from that boiling in oil and laid on an island of prisoners called the island of Patmos. Lonely, secluded, just finished boiling in oil, and by this time blistered from head to toe. You thought you had a bad day. I thought Friday morning was bad after they tried to break into our car. No, 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 no. Ninety-plus years old. Arrested for preaching Jesus. Boiled in oil and it did not kill him. Laid on an island, alone and isolated. Here's what he said. And I heard a voice. And it was like many waters. His hair was white as wool and from his mouth a sharp sword. His feet were like brass He said, and when I saw all of those things, all I could do, I fell down at his feet. Why? Because his feet are a place of worship. I've come to tell someone something. When you walk into his presence, and it is unmistakably him, it will be a place of worship where you're going to be able to say, no matter what I've been through, the oil or the age or the mess or the loneliness of this prison island, here's what I know. I am in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords so in my hard time I will sing the song of Zion in my bad time I'm going to call him Jesus from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same the name of the Lord is to be praised and here's what I've learned when it's going so rough and he walks in and I worship it seems like my situation changes when everything's going down and I begin to worship him all of a sudden everything seems to shift I've come to tell you in the good times you sing your song in the bad times you sing your song in the right times You sing your song in the wrong time. You sing your song in healing. You sing in sickness. You sing in depression. You sing in oppression. You sing in your right mind. You sing. I've come to remind you that we have been called to worship Him in spirit and in truth, not in our flesh nor in our mind. In spirit and in truth, and here's the good news His spirit is among us, and He is the way, the truth, and the life. So I am able to worship Him at all times, and His praise will continually be in my mouth hallelujah his feet were a place of worship even for this one who's been arrested and boiled and isolated his feet became a place of worship come to tell the church it's time to worship it's time to let him heal it's time to let him pardon and lastly his feet are a place of rest his feet are a place of rest and peace back to Luke where we began The story of Luke writes in chapter 8. That focus scripture of verse 35. Then they went out to see what had happened. And came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Clothed and in his right mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you imagine the rest and the peace this man finally has? Tormented day and night. Possessed by demons where he cut himself. The enemy's trying to do that to a generation who's cutting themselves. Possessed by demons. Tormented in his mind. Living naked among the people living among tombstones, shackled, chained, because they did not know what else to do with him. Imagine the torment in his mind. But Jesus, but Jesus has an encounter with him where we see that he fell at his feet. and said, Jesus, Son of God, even the demon knew who he was when he walked up. By the time this story ends, we find him sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed. Nobody had to tell him to put clothes on. Nobody had to tell him to clean himself up. See, that's what, that's what sometimes the church gets ahead of the Lord. Sometimes we try to tell people to clean themselves up before they've had the encounter with God. But when he had his encounter with God, it changed everything about him. they found him clothed and in his right mind. And all of a sudden, the feet of Jesus became a place of rest and a place of peace. Can I tell you something? This Jesus we talk about today still gives peace and rest at his feet. This Jesus of whom we speak of, while you may be struggling to rest and you may be struggling in a war, he's a God of peace and he's a God of rest. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 28, 12, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Hallelujah. Does anybody need refreshing today? Anybody need rest today? Anybody need peace today? I've come to tell you this is the rest wherewith he gives the weary rest. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What do you speak of? I speak of his presence. Hallelujah be unto our God. You see, the writer of Acts tells us that times of refreshing will come. Hallelujah. I've come to tell you, at his feet there is pardon and forgiveness. At his feet there is Healing at His feet today. Not only is there comfort and there, there, there is not only pardon and, and healing, but there is comfort and at His feet it's a place of worship. At His feet it's a place of rest and a place of peace. Whatever you may need today, His feet is here. As he is walking in this place with us, if you'll play. I want you to stand all over this house. In 1868 an old song was penned that says, Sitting at the feet of Jesus, oh, what words I hear him say. Happy place, so near and precious. May it find me there each day, sitting at the feet of Jesus. I would look upon the past, for his love has been so gracious. It has won my heart at last. Hallelujah. This morning, your head's bowed and your eyes closed as as joy begins to play. Lord, I just invite you into this room right now. I have preached your word. I have given your word. I've spoken your word. Now let this word be implanted in hearts and in minds right now. The people would begin to sense Jesus walking into this room. Begin to sense the spirit of the Lord moving in this room. You said you sent your word to heal us, to deliver us from destruction. You're you're one who pardons and forgives. You heal. You comfort. Lord, you deliver. Jesus, 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 Jesus. If You'd say, Scotty, I need His feet to be a place of pardon for me today. I need His feet to be a place of pardon for me today. There's something in my life I love the Lord, I'm a believer, I love, but there's something in my life that I'm, I'm working through and I need Him to be a place of pardon for me. I just want you to slip up your hand right there where you are and say, that's me, just slip it up, put it up, put it up, yep, 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 yep. yep. Maybe you'd say, my, my sins aren't forgiven, I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart. And I want Him's feet to be a place of pardon for me today to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and to forgive you and to free you, today's your day. If you would just lift up your hand and say, "I want the Lord to forgive me today." Is there one? Is there one? Yes. Yes, I see your hands. Yes. I want the Lord to forgive me of my sins today. Today's my day of redemption. Who else? There's a couple of lifted your hands. Who else today? Today's my day of salvation. Just lift up your hand for a moment. Put it down. Yes, I see your hands. Scotty, I need to sit at Jesus' feet today because I need this to be a place of healing. In my body, in my mind, in my spirit, in my family, in my home, in my relationships, there's something broken somewhere in your life. And you'd say, Scotty, I need Jesus. I need to sit at his feet and him be a place of healing for me today. Just slip up your hand right there where you are. Put it up. Yes, 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 yes. All over this house. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord, do it, Lord. He's walking among us right now. That's him. Lift your hands. That's him. If you if so far, if that's you, just lift your hands. He's here. I need him to be a place of comfort for me today. I need his feet to be a place of comfort for me today. We're struggling with something. We're we're warring with something. There's stuff going on, and if I've ever needed him to be comfort for me today and peace for me today, I need it right now. Just lift up your hand right where you are. Lift it up. Yep, yep, yes, yes. I need his comfort. There's an advocate. There's the Holy Spirit. There's a comforter who has come to walk with you through all of these things. And so what I'm going to do is in all of this stuff, I'm just going to worship him. Because his feet are a place of worship. So, through all of this, I'm just going to worship. Lastly, I need his feet to be a place of rest for me. I need his feet to be a place of rest for me. I'm worn out and weary and tired. I'm exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We are exhausted. And I need his feet to be a place of rest. Lift up your hands right there where you are. Blow in this house. As they begin to sing, I'm going to invite everybody that's raised your hands. It's already happening. As they begin to sing, I'm going to invite everybody that's raised your hands to move to this altar. I'm going to do my best to lay hands on every one of you and pray with you. And if I can't get there, there's going to be someone that's going to help us pray today. This altar is open right now if you need his feet to come to where you are. If you want to be saved and pardoned, He's here. If you want to be redeemed, He's here. If you're still needing the sanctification process worked out in your life because there's stuff you're still working out, His pardon is here. If you need rest, He's here. If you need peace, He's here. If you need comfort, He's here. Whatever it may be, healing, He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here.